0: As you're standing, I want you to turn with me, if you would, to the book of Titus, chapter number 2. New Testament, the book of Titus, chapter number 2. I want to start reading at verse number 11. And I think I'm, as a companion scripture, I want to, let's, let's throw in for good measure Hebrews, chapter number 10. I want to go there as well. And uh, I felt a theme at the beginning of this year to challenge the church with and just to remind us about. And um, <clears throat> we want to be well-fed and well-watered as God's people. And I don't want to be a preacher that just preaches uh, what I would consider my pet topics. Every preacher has them. Things that out of the word you thoroughly enjoy and just exhilarate your soul. But uh, an unbalanced church just has a certain, you know, there's just a few topics there. It's like a yard. If you go fertilize that yard and you only fertilize one corner, it's all green and everything else is kind of dead and brown. Well, we need to be well balanced. And uh, this, I feel, is so important. It's, it's all throughout the New Testament, and it's, it's an encouragement that keeps us on the right track. So, all right, let's go. Titus chapter number 2 and verse number 11. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. I'm so glad that grace is universally available for everybody. I don't have time to get into the theological ramifications of that, but grace is available. God's not willing that any should perish, but he wants everybody to be saved. There's not just a pre-selected small, small group of people that God just said, I want them to be saved. I'm going to help you to get saved. All the rest, you can go to hell. That's not what God does. The grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. It's universal. It's available for everybody, and I'm thankful for that. But that grace of God is going to teach us some things, teaching us... That denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, somebody said amen. Amen. This is in tandem with that flesh and spirit teaching that when I get saved, God is going to teach me there are some things in my life that I stop doing, there are other things in life that I start doing, and whose benefit is that for? My benefit, to allow me to be strong and to be what God wants me to be. The grace teaches us that, that we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. I want you to know no matter how dark and dirty, nasty and terrible our world is, that the power of God in our lives is enough to keep us walking with God in purity, in righteousness, in holiness, and godliness, in this present world because we're not living in the 40s anymore I hate to tell you we are living in the right now but that's god's admonition for us that we would live soberly righteously godly in this present world notice looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great god and our savior jesus christ Who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people zealous of good works he tells us what we need to be doing now he said teaching us we deny ungodliness we do that now he said we're looking for the blessed hope that's future that's what is coming and who gave himself for us. That's the past, that's what he did by the cross and by the blood. The message I have for the church here today is looking for that blessed hope, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and our savior, Jesus Christ. If that's what you're in the process of doing, I wonder if you could raise your hands to the Lord, lift your eyes to the skies, Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Lord, let us never forget. Jesus, 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 we're looking, oh God, for your soon return. Hallelujah, hallelujah, we're looking for the return of the Lord. Yes, Jesus, it's not just some far, far away event, some someday, some point. But oh God, help us to be engaged, Jesus, connected with our eyes wide open and our hearts searching and waiting for the coming of the Lord. Because you are going to come, Jesus, and you said very, very soon you're going to come. Help us to be a people that are in a posture of waiting, in a posture of, of just can't wait, Lord, for you to return for your people. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Amen. I told you I was going to read, two. I didn't forget about the other one. Hebrews 10. In verse 34, you had compassion of me and my bonds and took joyfully the spoiling of your goods. That takes faith. If because you're a Christian, you lose everything that you have and you can still have a smile on your faith, that takes, that takes faith. It says you had compassion of me and my bonds, took joyfully the spoiling of your goods, knowing in yourselves that you have in heaven a better and an enduring substance. I hope that we don't have everything so locked up in this earth and all of our hopes and plans and dreams are locked up on planet earth. Come on, church. All of our dreams can't be locked up down here on earth, but we are looking for, for his soon return, the enduring substance the Bible says that we have in heaven, not down here. And then he tells us, because of that, cast not away therefore your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. While you're living in this earth, don't throw away the trust that you have, the confidence that you have, and the enduring things of God. Don't let the trials take that away from you. Don't let life take that away from you. Don't let temptation or people take that away from you because life can try to take away your confidence and your eternal hope in heaven. And he said, For you have need of patience. I'm trying to stay away from this look-at-your-neighbor thing like 42 times, but I think you ought to look at your neighbor and say, you need patience. You need, you need patience. You, the Bible says you have need of patience. The scripture says you have need of it. Why do you need patience? Why do you need patience? How long have you been living for God? What's our longest standing person here today? You're like, man, we've already been standing like four hours. It's the longest standing person uh, in this building. Who's walked with God 40 years here today? So raise your hand high so we can see, all right? Who's uh, walked with God 50 years? I see a couple of hands. Okay, we have two hands. Who's walked with God 60 years? Brother is the only handstand. <laughs> Well, praise the Lord for that. That's a long time. That's a long time. But you know what, when the years go by and the years go by and you've heard, I don't know how many sermons Brother Merrick's heard or preached then over the course of 60 years that the Lord is coming. If you're not careful, you can tune out to that message and say, you know what, they've been saying that for a long, long time and he hasn't come yet. But can I tell you, because he hasn't come yet does not mean that he is not coming. He is coming. And the Bible said, he said, behold, I come quickly. He is going to come. Only he who shall come will come and shall not tarry. So it's important for us that while we're walking with God, the Bible says that we have need of patience. How many have tons of patience? Do you have have a lot of patience? like I'm already getting impatient. Can we sit down yet? <laughs> you can be seated. God bless you. I'll finish the scripture while you're on here. Your... Yeah. You have need of patience after that you have done the will of God. How many's doing the will of God? How many's walking with the Lord, serving God, doing God's will? Am I in a Lutheran church here this morning or is this a... I thought I was in a... Sorry. Not really, but... (laughs) He said, you have need after you have done the will of God that you might receive the promise. You have need of patience for yet a little while and he that shall come, he that shall come will come and will not tarry. So we're going to sing a song here in just a little bit and it's a song many of you know and I want us... To stir up our pure mind, our recollection. That song, we're not going to sing it now. We're going to sing it a little bit. (laughs) It's called, I Can Only Imagine. You ever heard that song before? I want you to know heaven is going to be good. Heaven's going to be greater than anything we've ever experienced before. There's a saying, and I'm trying to remember exactly how it goes. It goes um, something along the lines of, patience is a virtue. Possessed by some. Women have little and men have none. <laughs> ever heard that before? <laughs> some of you ladies are rejoicing just a little too much there. Hey, Amen. Patience. Patience. Now, the truth be told though, sometimes men can be very, very impatient. But can I tell you, at the same time, men can also be very, very patient. And I just feel like going like 42 directions right now. Because they let you ladies go into the store. Just trying to stick up for our guys here today. Seven hours, 32 minutes later, y'all come out. If they've been married long, they learn not to go into the store with you. Men can be very patient. They can be very, very patient. Men can sit 12 hours in a tree. Y'all tell me men aren't patient waiting for that elusive four-legged white tail i heard somebody say big buck deer hunters are a patient breed i hunted. i was thinking about this story i was thinking about it i don't remember you know, here's the problem. When you're preaching, you have to tell the truth. <laughs> That's the problem. <laughs> Start telling there, and really, I th- I'm I'm thinking, Travis, that I, I I'm in my mind, and I think this is true. So by pre-qualifying that, if it's not true, I'm I'm okay, because I really do genuinely. I believe it was 13 degrees below zero. I hunted 13 degrees below zero. And I remember the day because I went in with my side-by-side and there was snow on the ground and and I drove all the way in and I was all bundled up and I got out of my side-by-side and walked about 100 yards and I walked to my tree and I hunt out of this thing called a saddle. And so I got my portable sticks, got up in the tree and I'm hanging there and it is 13 degrees below zero. Remember, I pre-qualified. I believe it was 13 degrees below zero. Okay, are we okay? It was cold. And I'm (laughs) under but it's so worth it. <laughs> and all the women are like, guys are, yeah, yeah. And I remember after, after, I think I lasted almost two hours. And it was to the point of coldness that it's like dangerous. Like I realized if this goes on much longer, they're, they're gonna find me up here, frozen in a tree, purple. And there are some ways in life, I've just determined I don't wanna go that way. Some of y'all go out on the ice on like two inches of ice. I'm like a three-foot guy. I went out the other day ice fishing and uh, punched a hole and it was 10 inches because in our lake, on the north side of our lake, a four-wheeler went through the week before. And I just thought, you know what? That's not what I want my funeral to be like. He was a good man, but he was stupid. He was a stupid guy. He really loved God, but he was dumb. (laughs) Yeah. He died. He died in a lake. <laughs> so I'm up in the tree there, and I climb down out of the tree, and it's to the point that I cannot feel my fingers, and they feel like bricks in a glove. And I, 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 don't, have, I don't have feeling in my fingers, and I, and I finally get to my four-wheeler, and thank God it turns over, I would have frozen there. And I remember firing that thing up, and I, and I had to just grab the wheel kind of like this because I couldn't with my fingers because I couldn't feel them. And, 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 and I'm driving out of the woods there, and, and thank God I'm, I made it. So don't you tell me that men can't be patient. Men can be a patient breed. Yes, they can. The alarm goes off at 3 in the morning, and they're excited about it, and they jump in the shower, and they shower with their scentless soap. Like, like how can soap be scentless? Scentless soap, and then they get their clothes that have been hanging out in the yard for like seven weeks in a mesh bag so it smells like the outdoor. Don't you tell me men aren't patient sitting up in a tree stand just shaking like a leaf. Caleb, right? (laughs) If you all have children that that you're going to take hunting, would you see me after service? And I will tell you all the ways not to do it. <laughs> I took Caleb out, he was 12 years old. I was brand new, getting back into hunting. I hadn't hunted like 20 years and I'm so, you know me. Excited about it and all, so I take him out and we go out hunting and it was like 14 hours. I took him <laughs> by the end of the day. He wouldn't even carry the gun in the case. <laughs> he just, and we walked like cause of course we had to take a boat and we took a boat like 10 miles in. Landed the boat upriver because we, we had a plan, you know. Got in behind all the other hunters by miles and walked in miles, and it's snowing and it's cold, and I don't think we had snacks. And <laughs> he never hunted again. <laughs> so it's the wrong way to do it. So, see me, I'll talk to you about that. There's a way to do it. I learned now, I'm going to be a great grandpa, just by the way. We're going to have snacks. It's going to be like a 22-minute hunt. There's going to be 93 deer out front. That kid's going to love deer hunt. Like, like, oh, Jesus, I'm trying to preach about the coming of the Lord. But weather does not deter the avid hunter because maybe, just maybe, just maybe, maybe that big deer is going to come walking by this, this time I'm out hunting. And if it's not today, maybe tomorrow, maybe tomorrow when I get out there, just maybe, just maybe the big event will happen in the hopes uh, that that great big buck will come walking by. It maybe hasn't happened for years. Maybe you haven't seen a deer in years. But the possibility of the hope, it is a waiting game. And Sometimes that guy, you know, when finally it happens and he looks through the scope and, and he very, very carefully breathes out his breath and slowly... Pulls the trigger, and it happens. What is it? Is it the venison? Is it the feeling of accomplishment? What is it that can cause a person to wait? As you know, uh, I'm a duck hunter. They're crazy people. Duck hunters are just crazy people. And when I first started out, I didn't have really any equipment or anything couldn't afford it really so I did find on eBay a, a, a pair of waders that had a hole in them that I got a really good deal on and I patched I patched those waders I didn't have a boat at the time or maybe I did and it was that $300 Sears boat that I found on the side of the the road and cleaned it all up and painted. I didn't have a blind didn't have all that stuff and went out and uh, we'd find a place and we'd, we'd hunt and when we would hunt because I didn't have a big blind and stuff, we'd get in the water and sit on a bucket. I know it's stupid. Sweet. It is, I guess, okay, there's... Okay, I'll give you that. It's... But you're sitting in there, and, it's, and, and some of you people like are like, I, I mean, well, you're in your waiter, so you're kind of warm, and you're sitting in the water there, and it's freezing cold water. Like, you put your hand in it, you're, you're frozen. You're, you're dying, it's cold. But you're sitting in the water, and your eyes are combing the skies, and you got weeds all around you, and you're all mudded up, and you're sitting there in the hopes, the anxious anticipation that this is going to happen. They make a big, they make a big turn, they come back, and they're they're up high. Then they make another turn, and then they, when those wings set. And they drop into the decoys and up come the mighty hunters. <laughs> Ducks are hitting the water. <laughs> You've been hunting with me, haven't you? <laughs> That's a whole another story. And grown men, early one cold freezing morning, in the middle of the water are jumping up and down. <laughs> it's like I mean, it's, 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 it's the highlight, it's just it's, it's the highlight. But you spend a long time waiting. How many times you go out and see nothing, huh? I'm preaching to men here today, although I'm in northern Minnesota because we got a lot of we get a lot of hunting women too. You out there? How many times you go out and you see nothing, and but it's it's the hopes, it's the just maybe, just maybe, just maybe this is this is this is this is going to be the day. Maybe this will be the day I, I get my venison. And I mean, the venison costs you like thirty-three dollars a pound. When you add it all up, you just go go get. Top sirloin, man. Save yourself the headache. But, but you, there's something about it being connected in the process, being, being a part of it. What are you saying? I'm saying the days click on by. The months become years. The hair changes colors, graying at the temples. A slight creasing around the eyes and time goes on. We count the passing seasons of life. Our children grow and they go Decades motor past. The time we received the Holy Ghost is a distant memory from another era. We've been in the faith, but we've also kept the faith. We've heard that Jesus is coming, but it hasn't happened yet. We've heard it talked about, we've read the word, we've been in prayer, we've been in our knees, we've sought the Lord. How many messages have we heard? How how many years have we been serving God? Can I tell you something here today, saints of God, that living for God sometimes is a waiting game. Living for God sometimes is a waiting game. We heard the songs this morning, and and I agree with the words, and we can all testify, but I'm not Pollyannish about them either, that that we've seen cancers cured, and we've seen all these things happen, but I'm also going to tell you that there are people that haven't seen the cancers cured, or they hadn't seen them yet. And yet here we are as children of God, maybe we haven't received the reception of our miracle yet. And yet we still stand with our feet strong, our shoulders squared, our heart full of faith in a good, gracious, powerful God that just because it hasn't happened yet does not mean that it's never gonna happen. Because he's a good God and he's an able God and just because it hasn't happened yet doesn't mean that it's not going to happen. Jesus help us. And so we've got to learn this thing in our walk with God. Sometimes it's the patience of waiting. Waiting it hasn't happened. It hasn't happened. Does that mean that it isn't going to happen? Does that mean that I'm going to allow that to erode my faith? Oh, I guess I didn't get my miracle. I guess, well, the Lord hasn't come and come back yet. I guess maybe he's never going to come back. I guess we might as well just quit God and quit church and give up on all this because you know they've been saying that he's going to come forever and he hasn't come yet. But it is our faith that keeps us in durability, in longevity, in faithfulness that we keep on walking with God. We keep on with anxious anticipation patient looking to the skies because the word tells me that he's coming back I don't know when I just know the truth of the word of God it hasn't happened yet but church can I tell you it is going to happen as sure as we're standing here the Lord is going to return for his people he is going to come back but until that happens we wait patiently Can I tell you it's getting close? Another day welcomes us. We've been living for God now maybe for years and another day welcomes us and we take up our faithful position on our knees. Our eyes are scanning the skies. Our eyes are in our Bibles and our eyes are in the news. And we look around at the news and we look at the Bible and we say, surely the Lord is coming soon. We're watching, we're praying, we're praying. We're praying, we're watching, We have the posture of expectation. We're waiting. It hasn't happened yet, but we're waiting for the soon return of Jesus because church, it's going to happen. As sure as we're here today, the coming of Jesus is going to happen. And when he comes, may he find us anxiously waiting for his return, fully prepared, fully filled, ready for his return, on fire, strong, in the Lord and in the power of his might. Sticking with it. Staying with it. Loving the Lord because he's coming. And when he comes, I want to be ready. Amen. Amen. Oh, God, help us. God, help us. Oh, God, help us. I read the scripture in the beginning here, Hebrews 10. You had compassion of me and my bonds. Took joyfully the spoiling of your goods, knowing in yourselves they could take joyfully the spoiling of their goods. And maybe this is why the Lord wants to anchor us freshly in this truth. He's talking about tribulation. How do you endure tribulation? There are some people I could just put my finger right on you today and say, you know, you know what I'm talking about, tribulation, because you're going through it right now. Maybe you're going through it in your own personal life. Mentally, emotionally, you're going through it with your kids. How, how do you deal with adversity? He said they did it joyfully, the spoiling of their goods. The spoiling of their goods. That, that doesn't mean like the cheese got green. Spoiling. It doesn't, it, it, what it means is that there were people that due the persecution that was in their life, they started losing things that were valuable to them. Maybe things they had worked their whole lives for all of a sudden. I, I hope that it doesn't happen, I don't want it to happen. What happens if things turn in America and all of a sudden because we're children of God, we start losing the things that are valuable to us we going to pucker our, our bottom lip. Are we going to great big old crocodile tears come out and say, I guess I'm just not going to serve God anymore. It ain't, it ain't working out for me. And that's the problem with the idea of the prosperity gospel in America. Because as long as God give me, give me, give me, give me, give me and gives me, then I'll be happy. But we are not of that crowd. We are the people that serve the Lord regardless of whether good's coming into my life or bad is coming into my life. Because I read somewhere the scripture tells us, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And whether he's prospering me or it's prosperity in reverse and I've got a lot of red ink in my bank account at the same time, regardless of what happens in my life, my praise and my love for God is not going to be built on how much good stuff he brings my way. I'm going to be faithful to him because he is good all by himself. says, they took joyfully the spoiling of their goods, comma. How did they do that? And this is what I pray this truth is in our hearts as as the church. I pray, knowing in yourselves, there are some things that we got to know within ourselves, and this is one of those truths, knowing in yourselves, are you ready? That you have in heaven a better and an enduring substance. Man, I feel the Holy Ghost here today knowing, let me tell you what can take you through uh, adversity in your life, what can take you through persecution in your life, what can take you through that is knowing in yourself uh, what I know, that I know, that I know, that I know is that I'm serving God In this great God of mine there's going to be a reward day, there's going to be a day that I see him face to face uh, and I may not have down here what I want to have, but can I tell you church, uh, that when we get there we're going to have things uh, that are beyond our comprehension and imagination we are going to experience things and have uh, in our lives maybe things that we didn't have down here we're going to have up there in heaven and enduring some substance Uh, good things await us on the other side Uh, can I tell you today that heaven is going to be worth it all Heaven's gonna be worth it all. We need to pull out of the reservoir of our songbook some old songs. It's gonna be worth it all, some beautiful happy day. It's gonna be worth every long mile. It's gonna be worth every heartache and every trial. It's gonna be worth everything I've gone through in life. It's gonna be worth it all, some beautiful happy day. I'm gonna see Jesus. I'm gonna be in heaven, and heaven is a real place for real saints, forever and ever and ever. Mm. If you're going through it now, that's what you encourage yourself with. devil would like to tell you just give up. How could you give up? Not when you have that kind of inheritance that's waiting for you. I can't give up, I won't give up, I won't do that now because I have a better and an enduring substance in heaven. He said, cast not away, therefore, your confidence. You have great recompense and reward because when you're going through the spoiling of your goods, it's easy to lose your confidence. Like I thought living for God was supposed to be worth it, and yet my goods are being spoiled. I got more month than money. My kids are driving me nuts. My flesh is driving me nuts. What in the world? Oh, it's going to be worth it. Don't cast away your confidence. For you have need of patience. Come on, deer hunting men. Patience. That same patience that allows us to wait days for that big buck to come walking by is the same. A greater patience says that I'm waiting for my Lord. And I may not shoot a buck, but I'm, a, I'm going to make the rapture. Or I'm going to make the coming of the Lord. Amen. For yet a little while, and he that shall come will come. It says, he that shall come will come. Can I tell you this morning, Jesus is coming. I don't want to be brassy, I don't want to be crass here this morning, but I may be doing some of your funerals in the next year or two, five years, ten years. (laughs) Y'all might be doing my funeral, I don't know. We don't know, but Jesus is coming. Oh, yeah, we got a song to sing. Sorry, I was just preaching. <laughs> That's why you're sitting there. Alright, you got my back. Alright, let's sing this song. This is a song. I want you to think about this. I want it to have meaning in your heart and in your soul, okay? okay? Let's sing this. Let's sing this chorus. And as we sing it, I want you to think about what you're singing. What will my heart feel? Think about it. What's it gonna be like? For you, Jesus. Or in all of you, be still. Will I stand in your presence? To my knees will I fall? Will I sing hallelujah? Will I be able to speak at all? I can only imagine. Oh, I can only imagine. Jesus or in all of you be still will I stand in your presence to my knees will I fall will I sing hallelujah will I be able to speak at all I can only imagine stretch your imagination this morning as you sing what's it going to be like I can only imagine what it will Will be be like when I walk by your side. side. I can only imagine what my eyes will see. Think about it when the face of Jesus is is before us. Oh God, remind us today. What will my heart feel? Will I dance for you, Jesus? Or in all of you, be still? Will I, in your presence, to my knees, will I fall? Will I sing? Hallelujah! Will I be able to speak at all? I can only imagine. I can only imagine. Hallelujah. Let's thank the Lord today. Let's let our imagination soar today in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. You can be seated. I can only imagine. I can only imagine what's it going to be like. I want us to think about that. I'm so thankful this morning that God gives us direction in his word what it's going to be like shimmering glimmering dynamic display of instantaneous and immediate transformation and we shall see him I want you to know this morning there's going to be no more troubles there will be no more struggles there will be no more devils there will be no more sickness no contention There will be no more taxes. There will be no more cancer. There will be no disability. There will be no anxiety. There will be no depression. No addiction. Have you thought about it lately? I know all of us here today, we have deadlines, we have bills to pay, games to play, children to raise, retirement to think about, projects to finish and all that. But have you thought about it lately? Jesus is coming. 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 And when he comes, everything will change. Just like that, it's going to change. Everything. Everything's going to change. In describing this glorious place, maybe we would be like the little boy who came home to tell his mom about the girl he had just met. He tried to tell her about how pretty her eyes were, how beautiful auburn her hair was, how beautiful her nose and her mouth and her hair was. But he was having a hard time finding enough adjectives to describe her beauty. And so he said, Mom, you just got to see her yourself so that you can see how pretty she is. Can I tell you, there's going to be a day that we see for ourselves what heaven's going to be like. I know right now we're talking about something that seems so far, far away, but can I tell you, there's going to be a day we're going to be there. If you live for God, there's going to be a day that you walk on streets of gold. I've, 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 I've heard about Hawaii. I've never been there. There's a lot of places we may have heard about, but can I tell you, there is gonna come a day that we are going to be there. This city that we're going to, Revelation 21 and 10, is bigger, it's brighter, it's nicer, it's cleaner, it's friendlier, it's more entertaining, it has better lighting, it has better health healthcare. It says there will be no disease or sickness. It has better security. You're not going to need to lock your door at night because the Bible says with out of those walls are dogs and all that other mess. There's going to be better singing. There's going to be better music. There's going to be better air. The environmentalists, if they make it, if they live for the Lord, are going to find that everything is better. Better transportation. Better drinking water. Some of you got like Culligan water filters. The Bible says we can drink from the water of life freely. and It's going to bring life to us. Better sanitation. I'm going to, let you, I'm going to leave that one alone and let you guys think about that. Whether we'll need it with glorified bodies, I don't think so. Better food and cuisine. Better conversation. Better entertainment. Better fishing. I just got to believe it. I can only imagine... Watch what John tells us in 21 and 10 of Revelation. It says, he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me that great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God. And so the only way that John could see this city that was descending was that God brought him all the way up to the top of this mighty, mighty tall mountain higher than Everest that gave him an ability to look about and see things that he could never see before. In describing it in verse number 16 of chapter 21, he said, The city lieth foursquare. The length uh, is as large as the breadth. And he measured the city with the reed. Uh, Somebody say 12,000 furlongs. What is that? A furlong, eight furlongs equal a mile. So if you do the math on it, that is 1,500 miles. The Bible says the length and the breadth and the height of it are all equal. The length, the breadth, and the height. Length, breadth, height. What does that mean? It's a great big cube. It's a cube that's 1,500 miles in every direction. So. In order to make make this maybe visually understandable to us, I I pulled out a map and I looked at a map of the United States. If you were to be right in Grand Rapids uh, and you were to head all the way west to Seattle, Washington, that's that's about 1600 miles, a little bit more, but that gives you a general idea, to the Pacific Ocean. Then if you were to go south uh, from there down to Seattle, from Seattle to San Diego, that's about 1250 miles. If you go from San Diego and you go East to to New Orleans, that's a little more than 1,500, it's about 1,800 miles. And if you go from New Orleans back up to Grand Rapids, that's almost exactly 1,500 miles. If you take that piece of real estate, that is the breadth and the width of the New Jerusalem. So if you look at a map of the United States of America, that is a city that is almost two-thirds the size of the continental United States of America. Now, if you're taking notes, I'm just gonna throw a bunch of numbers this way. I hope it doesn't bore you, but it helps to give a little dimension on this place that we're going to. 1,500 miles square is two and a quarter million square miles. The United States is three and a half million square miles. We are talking about a city that is almost the size of the United States of America. Now, that is speaking in two dimensions. The Bible tells us, though, that the city is three dimensional. And so the two-third landmass of the U.S. would be like one floor of the New Jerusalem, but the city is cubed, which means that you would then go 1,500 miles high into the sky. Now to most of us that does not seem like too big of a deal, but do you realize that a commercial airliner flies at 30,000 feet, which is only about five and a half miles up? So when you're up in a plane flying at, at flying altitude five and a half miles up, the New Jerusalem is 1,500 miles high into the sky. The space shuttle typically orbits at 225 miles up. In space, 225 miles, the space shuttle flies around in space, 225 miles, and yet the New Jerusalem is is 6.6 times higher than what the space shuttle flies at. Can you imagine being at the top of the New Jerusalem and looking down upon the world, the view from up there? If you stood at the base of the New Jerusalem with your feet hitting the wall of the city and looked straight up and you craned your neck back just as far as you possibly could and you pulled out your binoculars and you tried to look as high as you possibly could, it would rise 1,500 miles into the sky. Indescribable. To put it in perspective, if you could travel 60 miles an hour straight up to the top of the New Jerusalem, at 60 miles an hour, it would take you 25 hours to reach the top of the city. Then you would travel across the city another 25 hours, and then you could travel the other direction 25 hours. To walk this distance, a moderate 15-mile-an-hour pace would take you nonstop 15 and a half days or 375 straight hours to make this journey. Now, to put into perspective the kind of space that we're talking about in New Jerusalem, because people sometimes question, like, the New Jerusalem, what's that going to be like? I mean, like, throughout all of history, all the people that have been saved, I mean, it's just not that big of a city, is it? It's not. But to put it into perspective, the cubic space that's in the New Jerusalem, a cubic mile, here we go, is 147 billion cubic feet. That's one cubic mile. The sanctuary that you're sitting in right now is approximately 64 by 64 by 14 or 57,344 cubic feet. Now, basically, a very large home is maybe 4,100 square feet. You could fit 2,566,000 rooms of this size in a cubic mile, in one cubic mile. You could put 2,000,000 rooms this size in one cubic mile. If you spent one minute per room, it would take you almost five years to visit each room in one cubic mile. Now, are you ready? Screen people, can you throw that number up here? The three number. The New Jerusalem is 3,375,000,000 cubic miles. 1,500, 1,500 1,500, that's the number of cubic miles, miles, that are in the new Jerusalem. Now, the, new, now, now the next, the, the four number, the, the gargantuan one, that's how many cubic feet are in the new Jerusalem. I think if, I don't even, I don't even know what that number is. Somebody needs to look that up for me and, and tell me what that number is. So let me put it into proportion here. So it, you could, this remember, we we looked at the size of our sanctuary. The size of our sanctuary is what is it? It is uh, fifty-seven thousand three hundred forty-four cubic feet. Our sanctuary. You could fit. You could fit eight quadrillion, six hundred sixty-three billion, and I, I these numbers I can't even. You can fit that many of these rooms. <laughs> <laughs> In the New Jerusalem I believe that is quadrillion if I'm right that is quadrillion you could fit eight quadrillion sanctuary-sized rooms in the New Jerusalem so if you were to which I was gonna say if you could but you probably eternity is a really long time how many like to travel you like to travel people learn to travel nowadays if you could travel Throughout eternity, into all of these rooms that are the size of the sanctuary right here, those that eight quadrillion rooms, and you took one minute per room, it would take you, and you can throw this number up there, it would take you 16 and a half billion years to visit every room the size of this sanctuary and spend one minute in every room the size. big if you took one second it's bam, bam 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 you could just you could travel through those rooms that fast that number of the eight number that the the rooms that fast it would take you 274 million years to see i'm telling you god has prepared a place for the saints of god mm. And he don't do it on the cheap. He didn't use inferior round building materials. When we walk on those streets, uh, those streets are not made of gold. They are made of pure gold. That's pure, like unto transparent glass. If the building material of the roads uh, what we would normally use, tar or or bitumen or concrete. If the building materials of the streets are made of gold, can I just ask you, what's the city going to be like? What is this massive, beautiful place that God has destined for us going to be like? Can I tell you, it's going to be beautiful. It's going to be wonderful. It's going to be great. It's going to be awesome. No more pain. No more shame. No more sorrow. No more battle. no more bad government, no more evil leaders, no more sin, no more rape, no more murder, no more theft. It's all gone, and we're going to spend an unending eternity in the most beautiful place we could ever imagine with our Jesus forever and and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. We're gonna drink from the water of life. I'm a tree hugger, I like trees. There's going to be trees along the river that are the leaves are for the healing of the nations. It's going to be awesome. And everywhere that we look, it's going to be like Camp Galilee. Everywhere we look, we're going to see different skin tones and skin colors and ethnicities and people from different walks of life, young and old alike. And everyone, they're going to be a brother or a sister in the Lord because they're the saints of the Most High. They've been washed in the blood of the Lamb. They've been cleansed by the blood of the Lamb. And the great big massive family of God is gonna inhabit this beautiful heaven with for an unending eternity, and we're gonna have fellowship like we've never had before. It's gonna be a party. It's gonna be a Holy Ghost party. Hallelujah. Tell you what, the city's also gonna have some restrictions. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. Can I just take a short pause right here and just say that when we get there, we're going to see Jesus. We're going to see the one that made it all possible. We're going to be there because of him. Hallelujah. What we've experienced in prayer meetings, what we've experienced in trying to seek after God, we are going to see Him as He really is. And can I tell you that every single aspect of that city is built in such a way the walls of jasper, the streets of gold, the building materials, the beautiful stones, all of the, 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 the most beautiful elements that could ever be conceived to build this city that when the glory of God and the light of God shines, the city is built in such a way that it's going to reflect and it's it's going to refract, and there's going to be colors and technicolor and beauty and shining, effervescence, uh, technicolor, because Jesus is going to be the light of the city. And we're going to see him who gave his life for us. We're going to be high five. <laughs> we made it. We made it! We're here! After every heartache and every trial, oh, I'm in the New Jerusalem. I made it. And the Bible tells us, verse four, God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. The pain, the shame, The difficulty, the wounds of life that we have carried, God Himself is going to wipe all those tears away. And there shall be no more death. Come on, somebody. I don't look forward to dying. (laughs) Do you? I like the idea of what happens on the other side I just don't like the process no more death neither sorrow nor crying neither shall there be any more uh, is that scripture up there come on say it with me pain. pain anybody deal with pain friend it's gonna be gone you won't need pain pills For the former things are passed away. And he sat upon the throne and said, Behold, I make all things new. There's going to be no thieves. There's going to be no guns. We won't need them. No murders. No child molesters. No violent criminals. No drugs. No temptation. No trash. We're going to have a body like unto his glorious body. Hello, somebody. Bob, no more pleurisy. You're not even going to have to worry about that. Ron, you're not going to have to worry about there being any back pain. Corey's not going to have any back pain. Terry, you're never going to have to worry about your liver ever, ever again. Tammy's never going to have to worry about the challenge that she's had in her body. Can I tell you what, church? Brother Merrick's voice is going to be booming in heaven. Never, ever, ever are we going to have to worry again about the pains of our body, the difficulties of our body. There's gonna be no congestive heart failure. Al, there's not gonna be any weakness in your legs. You're gonna be strong. Al's gonna be marching around heaven saying, here I am, because we're gonna be given a new body like unto his glorious body. It's gonna be worth it all, some beautiful happy day. Saints of God, forever and ever and ever, it's gonna be worth it all. Is there a wound or a vulnerability you're carrying here today? You got a vulnerability in your life? You got a wound? You got pain? Sean, you got neck pain? You ain't gonna have neck pain in heaven, Sean. It's gonna be gone. Is there a vulnerability? I don't have stereopsis. I don't have binocular vision. When I see, I see in two dimensions. I don't see three-dimensionally because when I was a child, my eyes were crossed. And so they cosmetically corrected them by cutting the muscles. I had four eye operations as a child before I was two years old. And they corrected the, the, the crossing of the eyes. And they corrected them and straightened them cosmetically. But they don't work together. And I don't have binocular cells, so I don't see with depth perception. We've had this whole conversation with my family like, what does that mean? Like, what do you see? Like, I don't see what you see. Like, when we ride the, the, the Superman ride at Disneyland that's in 3D, and they're all going, woo, wow, that's cool. Wow, that's amazing. I'm going, wow, that's stupid. Because I ain't seeing nothing. All I'm seeing is just little colors. I don't see. I don't see in 3D. But you know what? One day, I'm going to see in 3D. Maybe, maybe 4D. I don't know. The disabilities that we're carrying in this life, the vulnerabilities that we're carrying in this life are going to be forever gone because when we're in glory land, we're going to experience total, complete, absolute healing of all things. When we see Jesus, it's all going to be brand new. He said, I make all things brand new. It hasn't happened yet, but it's going to happen. If you could cram all the beautiful places in Rome and Spain, the Caribbean, and put them into one place and multiply it by 10 billion, you've maybe begun to understand what heaven's going to be all about. And as I close, this is, I think, what ought to make the church a joyful church. Number one, we know Jesus. We love Jesus. And number two, we've got an eternal hope. Yes, we do. That transcends and goes beyond anything temporary that we may have down here, whether no matter how good it is or how bad it is, that when we get there, it is going to be so much greater than anything we've ever had down here. That's why we should have singing in the church, and shouting in the church, and dancing in the church. Come on, church. We should have worship and thanksgiving and there's going to be wor- all of that. It's going, to, it's going to be fun. Where's Dave Latifat? Oh, they're out of town. Oh, bummer. Bummer. Dave likes to have fun. He likes to have fun. Can I tell you? Heaven's going to be fun. It's going to be sanctified, Holy Ghost, uh, wonderful fun. And can you imagine when the time happens? It's either going to be by death or by the rapture. But when it happens like that, folks, we're going to be with him. And it's going to be worth it all. We're going to go, I made it. You're going to pinch yourself and say, I made it. I'm, 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 I'm here, I'm here, I made it. Oh, I didn't know there were some, man, there were some rough seasons, but but, but I'm here and, and I made it. I'm in glory land. I'm, I'm with the Lord for eternity and I can never lose it. I'm here, I made it, I'm here forever. The most exhilarating experience in life, it's gonna be surreal when a person realizes, I made it, I made it. Stand together with me, please, if you will, and you're able. I made it, I made it. But church, are you ready? Are you in anticipation, are you ready? Are you at the edge of your seats? Are you, you're standing, so you must be. Are you, are you ready, are you, are you ready? Okay, so, so, so? This is why Paul tells Titus in verse number 13, he says, looking for that blessed hope. So what are we doing now? What are we doing now? We're looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our savior, Jesus Christ. He hasn't come yet, but he's gonna come. And until he comes, we're gonna be a people that man our posts. Amen? Is that what you're gonna be? Are you gonna be one of them children of God? We're gonna be a child of God that mans our posts. We take up the posture of prayer. Here we are. What are we doing right now? Right here, right now. You know what we're doing right now? We're going to church. We're in church. Because that's what saints that are waiting for the coming of the Lord do. They They don't skip church. Man, I'm preaching really good right now. They don't skip church. They don't skip group. They don't skip prayer because, man, they know the Lord's coming. And the Lord's coming soon. And because he's coming soon, man, I'm I'm engaged. I'm connected. I I don't want to be lukewarm in that moment because I'm, Paul told him, he said, looking for the great appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, We take up a posture of preparation. We are not casual, but we are concentrated. We are engaged. We're looking. We're on the lookout. We're like a bunch of watchmen. We're waiting because the Lord's coming back. And when he comes back, he's going to find me at my post, waiting for his return. And furthermore, allow me to add this, that I believe in our waiting. Sometimes when you get to preaching about the coming of the Lord, people get scared. And they're like, oh no, man, oh, that scares me. My wife talked about growing up in church. I didn't grow up in church, but she grew up in church. And, you know, kids that grow up in church, they all have a similar story that at some point their parents are supposed to be home and they get home and there's nobody home and they open the door. I'm like, oh God, the rapture happened. I didn't make it. I didn't make it. You know, in the old 1970s, left behind movies and songs start playing through your mind. Oh God, I'm pounding on the door. And, you know, so often we talk about the coming of the Lord that way, and it's it's with trepidation and fear, and it should be if you're not ready. But can I say to the church, that that ought not. It does not have to be our approach. It ought to be an excitement, a gratitude, a thanking. Oh, God, we're, we're ready. We're excited about it. It's coming soon. It's not with the spirit and the attitude of dread, but it's with an attitude of thanksgiving. Even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. We're waiting for you, Lord. Come quickly. Lord Jesus we're ready come on I wonder in this house here today how many of us uh, that's your attitude is that your attitude today are you ready are you ready for the coming of the Lord do you want God to come back are you saying even so come quickly Lord Jesus Uh, are you ready